Hey everybody, this is Jeannie Faulkner and you are listening to Pregnancy, Parenting and Politics, the podcast where we talk about all of those hot topics. I wrote the book, Common Sense Pregnancy, which is based on my oh so many years as a labor and delivery nurse, as a mother, and as a global maternal health advocate. It's also the book that began this podcast. So thanks for being with us this week and thanks for joining the conversation. So part of my mission with this podcast is to connect the dots between things that are going on with parents, mothers, women, and families, and things that are going on culturally, sociologically, and politically. Um, And this week, I want to talk about a number of things that are connected. So California is experiencing wildfire season again. And this year, conditions are worse than ever because the state is a tinderbox and they're having an extreme heat wave. Also, COVID-19 has decimated the firefighter workforce, which includes the inmate workforce crews that have helped fight wildfires for decades. It's part of a program where inmates are trained to work in much-needed, dangerous conditions because we apparently don't have enough trained non-inmate firefighters to do the job. Now, many inmates have been released from prison early because of rampant COVID infections in prisons. Many who would have been eligible to join a work crew have been sidelined by the virus, so they can't work. I have so many thoughts on this program. Um, One is that it provides valuable job training to meet a public safety and health need. Our states don't apparently have the financial infrastructure to keep its firefighting workforce running effectively without using mostly unpaid inmates. However, after having all this training and providing these essential and life-saving services, these inmates won't be able to get firefighting crew jobs after they're released from prison because of their convictions. Many of these inmates are Black and Hispanic because our prisons are filled with 34% Black males and 24% Hispanic males. They get paid almost nothing. They work horrendous conditions. And it makes one ask, is this modern-day slavery? Is this why the prison industrial system targets Black and Hispanic men so strategically so we can keep using an unpaid workforce? This is all part of what the Black Lives Matter movement and protests are all about. One also has to wonder, what would these inmate firefighters' lives have been like if they'd received employment and job training pre-prison? And What would their lives be like in the future if they could continue to work as a trained firefighter after prison release? Employment and meaningful occupation are key to eradicating so many of life's big problems like poverty, violence, desperation. Now, why am I bringing this up this week? I'll connect the dots. Because in the midst of an already catastrophic fire season where dozens of wildfires are burning, with a decimated workforce... In the midst of a record-setting heat wave, a family in California decided to host a gender reveal party, and they used fireworks to announce their baby's sex. It set off what has now been named the El Dorado Fire, which is currently burning out of control. As of this moment, 7,000 acres have already been destroyed. 
More than 500 firefighting personnel have been deployed to the fire. Homes are lost. Lives will be lost. And this isn't even the first time that something like this happened. Uh, Gender Reveal Fireworks did the same thing a couple years ago in Arizona. But for what purpose? Seriously, where is the common sense? What are people thinking? Now, I get it. It's fun to have parties. We're all bored and lonely, and we want to celebrate with our families. Pregnancy during COVID is hard, and people want a reason to lighten things up. I get it. I get it. I get it. But what on earth were they thinking? Fireworks outside at a party in one of the driest areas of California during a heat wave? Seriously? I have a lot of family that lives in California, which is why this hits so close to home. But I've also had thoughts about how valuable is it to make a big deal about your unborn baby's gender? This has concerned me for a while. So sure, it's fun to know if you're having a boy or girl, though some would say that getting that info during pregnancy spoils the surprise at birth. But others say they want to know. They want to be prepared. They want to decorate. They want to buy the right clothes. But folks, it's 2020. And if we've learned anything in the past decades, it's that gender is fluid. A child may be born presenting as male or female and later identify as the opposite sex or as non-binary. Maybe it's time for us to accept that gender is just one small part of who our child will be, and we should raise our babies to be the individuals they are, rather than the gender they're born as. Gender norms have caused tremendous societal problems anyway, and you know what? If we're going to be causing wildfires in the process, maybe we should take that as a sign that it's time to put the reins on this thing. Anyway, those are my thoughts for this week. My heart goes out to everybody in California who is suffering. Stay safe, my friends. Uh, Let's take a real fast break, and then we'll get to this week's guest. We're back, and thanks again to our sponsors. As a longtime labor and delivery nurse, I think I can say with quite a lot of certainty that most nurses are compassionate, resourceful, organized problem solvers. Some of us take the skills and values we learned as nurses and we branch out into other professions or we start businesses for needs that we see as nurses that just aren't getting met. That's what our guest this week has done. Jamie O'Day and her business partner, Emily Silver, are registered nurses who co-founded a couple of businesses to meet the needs of pregnant, postpartum, and parenting families, NAPS, and Nurture by NAPS. Let's get Jamie on the line. Hi, Jamie. It's Jeannie. How are you? Hi, Jeannie. Good, thanks. How are you? I'm doing really good. It's a uh, late afternoon, sunny day here in Portland, Oregon. Tell me where you are. I am in Boston. So it's about 7.30 here, and I just finished putting my kids to bed, and I'm excited to chat with you. I can't believe that. It's 7.30 there, and you have kids in bed. That is a freaking (laughs) miracle. But we're going to talk about that in just a minute. We will. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So my first hard question is always the big one. Who are you, and what do you do? 
Yeah. So I am Jamie O'Day. I am a registered nurse. I am a board certified lactation consultant. Um, as I just mentioned, I have three girls and they are five, three, and one. Um, and I am the co-founder of a company called Boston Naps. Um, and we have a spinoff to that company called Nurture by Naps. That's more of our um, global sort of presence. And I co-founded the company with my business partner, Emily Silver, who is also a nurse. She's actually a certified family nurse practitioner um, and also a board certified lactation consultant and also a mother to, she has two girls that are five and three. It's a girl's club. It's a girl's it club. It is a girl's club. Yeah, it's awesome. Our girls are together all of the time. Uh, they love each other. It's, it's honestly really awesome. Well, we have a lot in common. I too am a registered nurse in the birth industry and um, three daughters and, um, but mine are all grown way past the 730 bedtime. (laughs) Yeah, I am in the thick of it in terms of the age of my children, but it's, you know, it's a busy time, but it's it's a really exciting time. Yeah. Yeah. And in Boston, I, I have yet to be to Boston. I'm on the East Coast. Really? Well, I've yet to be to Portland. So we need to visit each other. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, and just <laughs> so sure. listeners yeah. know, it's I, I'm trying to let everybody um, that is listening to my podcast know, um, it's September 2nd, and no, Portland's not burning down. Not every city in the, in every street in the city is um, rioting. We're fine. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Enough said. We'll move on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're safe. Yeah, we're all, everybody, almost everybody here is just fine. Yeah. Good, 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 good. So tell me more about Boston Naps. Yeah, so Boston Naps, uh, myself and Emily sort of cultivated this idea when we were working together as labor and delivery nurses. So we worked on labor and delivery together at a busy city, Boston Hospital. And yeah, it was, I mean, I love, 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 love labor and delivery for so many reasons. Um, And that's the field of nursing I've always worked in. I've always worked on labor and delivery and in maternal child health. Um, It's just always been a a passion of mine. Um, But we were working together on labor and delivery. And I'm not sure, I wonder if you experienced this, Jeannie, when you were working, I would imagine you did. Um, But we, you know, the what I, one of the things that I liked most about labor and delivery was you had to create a rapport with your patient and their spouse or their partner in a very quick period of time. And yeah, and they had to like you and they had to trust you. And, and then when they did, it was this really awesome and unique, you know, experience and bond. Um, and it oftentimes resulted in patients at the end of, you know, after, you know, coaching them through their labor and helping them through their delivery. Um, joking, although maybe not joking, they would say, you know, can't like, can you just give me your phone number? Can you just come home with me? Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm going to need your help when I go home. Mm -hmm. Um, and so Emily and I would, you know, laugh and obviously say that we couldn't do that. But when we actually started thinking about it, um, and Emily actually had the unique opportunity to spend some time abroad. Uh, her family lived in Germany for a few years. Her dad was in the Marines. Um, what she noticed working abroad was that the care for, for, you know, healthcare in general, but the care specifically is related to women and families, 
um, was a bit better than it is here in the United States. And you have much more support during pregnancy. You have much more support, um, after delivery, you know, you have doctors or nurses or midwives that will come and check on you in your home. Um, and so there is this model of care outside of the United States that Emily actually experienced sort of firsthand, um, you know, within her own family. And we sort of started thinking about it from that point of view of, well, hang on a second. Like, we are nurses. And is there any reason why we can't be providing care to families when they go home from the hospital in their homes? Um, and so we did, you know, a little bit of market research just to see what, you know, kind of services were available in our area um, and found that there was definitely a need for either more support or more higher quality support. Um, and so we started Boston Naps in 2011 and when we originally started the company, it was just to provide daytime and overnight nursing care. And the care was actually being provided by registered nurses. Um, so we hired all registered nurses on our team. Um, and all of our nurses, you know, had and continue to have experience in maternal child's health. And it really was to help sort of bridge this gap between going home from the hospital with your baby and then, you know, seeing your OB at the six-week appointment or your pediatrician at set, inter set intervals, that sort of like time in between where you do have, you know, a lot of questions and concerns that come up after delivery uh, as it relates to your own recovery, as it relates to taking care of your baby and make sure your baby's getting enough to eat and you, you know, are doing all the right things and your mental health is good and your physical health is good. Um, so we really wanted to be able to provide families with that high level of care. So that's how our company started, um, you know, almost you know, 10 years ago now. Um, and that quickly evolved into also providing families with breastfeeding support, uh, prenatal education. And now, you know, nine years later, we are offering a whole range of services to women and families from pregnancy through early childhood. And a lot of our services and classes and workshops really go through age about age three at this point. Um, and, and we have a combination of, you know, in-person offerings and virtual offerings. Um, but we've sort of, you know, to think back nine years ago to our days as labor and delivery nurses, and now as, you know, two nurses who still practice as nurses, but are also, you know, running, um, you know, running our own company. It's really quite a wild ride and having, you know, between the two of us having five kids, um, in that time frame too, has been has been a pretty awesome experience. Are Are you still doing L and D? So I don't work on labor and delivery anymore. Anymore, um, mm -hmm. I stopped working on labor and delivery in two thousand. So I stopped working as a staff nurse on labor and delivery in two thousand fifteen. Um, mm -hmm. For about two years after that, I was still teaching. So I actually taught um, the undergrad maternal child health clinical rotation for Northeastern University. Um, mm -hmm. So I was still going to the hospital in a teaching capacity, but not as a staff nurse. Um, and then I, I stopped doing that in 2017. Uh, and Emily and I have just been running the company full time since, since about 2017. And how's business? Business has been great. Um, you know, I, business has been growing exponentially over the last several years. Um, as as you can imagine, especially in the state of our world right now with a global pandemic, not having a lot of in-person offerings, um, appoint, you know, doctor's appointments, whether you're pregnant or postpartum or 
um, pediatrician appointments being virtual. There has been a lot of need. There's been a lot of desire for people to continue to want that high level of education and support. So, you know, we did have to pivot a little bit to be able to provide families with that support in a way that was safe for them. Um, so, you know, offering it either in a virtual space or, you know, getting really strict on our policies around in-person offerings. Um, but, you know, so there's the healthcare piece of it. And then there's also the connection and the community piece. And I would say that is the piece that people are struggling with the most is not having that in-person connection with not just healthcare providers, but with other moms and with family and with friends. Um, you know, we, we run, you know, moms groups in, in person, um, for a reason, because, you know, being able to connect with other moms who have babies, the same age as yours is so important. Um, and so I, I think that people are really struggling with missing out on that. Um, that connection piece. So we've been, we've been doing our best to create that connection still. So, you know, we pivoted and we're running the moms groups virtually um, and other groups, you know, Um, we have a whole, you know, virtual platform. And within that platform, we intentionally created a space for, for parents to come together, Um, whether that's in a workshop or Q and a, um, or just, you know, through, through a support group. Um, but because we were hearing and, and we know, cause we're sort of in it with everybody too, that that connection piece is what's missing. And that really is a lifeline. That's a lifeline mm-hmm. for parents. That's a lifeline for moms. Um, and so we didn't want just because people couldn't meet in person, we didn't want people to feel disconnected. And so we made it a priority to ensure that we were still providing, you know, women and families with the space to have that connection. Um, so I think, you know, we were very fortunate to be already be in a position to be able to pivot into the virtual space really easily and quickly. Um, and I think because we were able to do that and still provide that, that space to connect with people, even though it wasn't in person, we've been really fortunate that that has also resulted in, you know, people really wanting to engage with us and, and our services and be part of this community. And it's been, it's been really, really amazing to be a part of and to see. So are your services covered by most insurance plans or is this primarily a cash-based service? Yeah. So it depends on the service, but majority of the services that we provide is a paid for cash-based service. Uh Um, there are, and it all depends on the insurance company, but there are some insurance companies that will reimburse for things like lactation support, um, or prenatal classes. So those are the big ones that we find for sure that patients are able to either get full or partial reimbursement for. Um, Uh one of the unique things that, you know, we have done even prior to the pandemic was we tried to sort of figure out how to do this through insurance and we were hitting a lot of roadblocks. Um, and so, you know, one of the things that Emily and I are constantly doing is we don't really take no for an answer. So, you know, it's like, okay, so that path isn't working. Let's find another path. Um, so we've actually been working a lot with companies 
And what we'll do is provide programming for corporations, for companies, and they'll actually pay for the service for their ah, employees. Okay. So that's been really cool. Um, and it's just, you know, we're providing a lot of the same services, but it's in, you know, a, a different environment and, and in a different way. And it's kind of cool to have sort of employees within the same company connect as well. Yeah. Um, so that's sort of a workaround that, that we have found to be really amazing. And so we have um, companies that'll, you know, bring us in maybe for like a monthly workshop. Um, we have some companies who may even like subsidize some of our virtual offerings. Um, so it just depends on the company and, you know, sort of what tier or level of support that they're looking for, for their employees. But that has been, um, a great gateway for us to be able to reach more people in a way where it's not necessarily money out of their own pockets. Well, that's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. Kudos to you and Emily for figuring that out. That's really brilliant. Thank you. I love it. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. So do you see, it It seems like women either, they get into labor and delivery and Mm -hmm. they decide that's it. I'm doing my 30 years. I never need to go anywhere else. Or they get to about the, I don't know, the 10 or 15 year mark and they go, (laughs) I'm done. I'm done. I've seen my 10,000th birth and I cannot spend any more time charting. It's usually charting, isn't it? Such, it is charting. It's, it's such a good question. Um, so it's funny when I, when I first started as a labor and delivery nurse that you couldn't get a job in labor and delivery, you know, yeah. there was, there were no jobs. Right. Um, I, we joke all the time, but literally the way that I got the job at the hospital that I worked at for, you know, when, when I was working as labor and delivery nurse in Boston was I you know, I was prior to working as labor and delivery nurse in Boston, I worked as a labor and delivery nurse for a year in Northern Virginia. And while I was working there, I, you know, obviously worked with a ton of nurses there, one of whom knew of, you know, one of her friends was a nurse who worked at the hospital that I wanted to work at in Boston. And so she connected me with her and that person gave me the direct line. She didn't work there anymore, but she gave me the direct line to the nurse manager of the labor and delivery floor. And so when I wanted to get, I knew that I wanted to work in this one hospital in Boston. Um, they had like one position posted that I applied for. And I literally called to this nurse manager every day for a solid, probably like two to three weeks, if I'm remembering the story correctly. <laughs> Um, to the point where when I finally, she finally called me back and brought me in for an interview. And like, she, I didn't know this until I started working there, but she had told the nurses on the floor about this person who keeps calling her looking for a job. And they (laughs) knew that I was into it. (laughs) Oh, I totally did. And they knew (laughs) that I was coming in for an interview. And I can remember I was sitting, I was waiting out in the waiting room, you know, where the, even the patient's were waiting to come into labor and delivery. And she came out to get me for my interview. And she was like, I am dying to meet the nurse who has been leaving me a message every day. I was like, it's me. It's Jamie. I'm here. Um, did you start on, um, night shift? Yep. So I, whenever, when I worked on labor and delivery, I always worked the night shift. Um, loved the night shift. Um, but yeah, so when I started, I, that was, that was the, the culture, right? Like you couldn't get a job on labor and delivery. Um, nobody left that job. Everybody loved being there. 
Um, and it was actually around the time that I decided to leave the hospital that things started to change. Like I started to notice a change in the culture, uh, within the hospital and within nursing care in general. Um, and you know, it wasn't just labor and delivery. Um, but obviously that was, that was a piece of it. And, and I didn't like necessarily the the direction that I was going in where, you know, it felt like we were moving a little bit away from, um, you know, nurses being, you know, this important member of the care team and a little bit more towards like documentation and liability and, um, reimbursement. And it started to feel, it just, I've just felt a shift. Um, and so that's, that was around the time that I decided to leave. Um, and it was probably within, you know, the three or four years following that, um, we started to see like a mass exodus of the nurses who had been there for a really long time, leaving and taking new jobs, either within the hospital, but more of like an outpatient setting, um, or just completely different, a completely different place, you know, outside, yeah. outside staff nursing in the hospital. Um, and, and now there's tons of, you know, I don't know what it's like for you in Portland, but, um, there's, there's tons of jobs being posted all the time for labor and delivery positions. Um, and so that has been, that has been a really big shift that has, I think the nursing, you know, staff nursing in general is, is it's changing a lot from what it used to be, you know, even eight or 10 years ago. It's funny. You, you ask nurses or nursing students, why do you want to go into nursing? And none of them say, cause I want to chart. That's what I want to I- do. I want to spend 60 to 75% of my shift on that darn computer. Yes, I do. Yeah. Taking care of that insurance company (laughs) and the administration. (laughs) Yeah. It's so true. I know. Yeah. I know. I mean, I get it. I just think that there's a, you can still, you can do that and still preserve the nursing, nursing and it's intent and, and, you know, nursing is a career because well, can nurses you, are pretty I mean, amazing. I mean, can you, the way that <laughs> charting is stacked up for nurses now, there are so many things that have to be documented for medical legal purposes, for right. billing purposes that really have nothing to do with patient with care, nursing. not right. anything. And so can we, can we still be nurses if what our job actually is, is charting? I yeah, know. I mean, no, I, I, I think this is, I feel like this relates a lot to things in life, right? Like I think the pendulum is sort of swinging the other way, which I would feel like in the wrong direction. Um, but if it is starting to impact patient care, then I do think that the pendulum has to swing back the other way a little bit. You know, whether that happens in the next few years or, you know, in a decade or more, um, I don't know. But I do think that in order for patients to be receiving the care that they're intended to receive when, you know, they come to the hospital. Um, I do think the pendulum does, pendulum does need to swing the other way, but that's also why, I mean, this is also why I love teaching nursing students, right? Because I love, one of the things that I love talking to nursing students about is that you don't actually have to work as a staff nurse if you don't want to, or you can work as a staff nurse and decide that that's not right for you. And the reason why I chose nursing as a career path was because I knew going into it that I could have a ton of different options. You know, I could work as a staff nurse. I could work in an office. I could teach. I could run my own business. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I mean, really when it, when it came down to it, that's why I decided that I, I wanted to run my own business because I wanted to be in 
charge. I wanted to, I wanted to manage things a very different way than the way that I had been managed as an employee. Um, and I wanted things to be different for not only our, our patients, but also for our nurses and our employee providing the care, because there is a level of autonomy that all professionals should have. And especially I, I believe nurses. Yeah. We're really good at what we do. So we good. really are. I mean, we're so good. Maybe at Maybe we we're can... really biased, but I, we are really good at what we do. <laughs> and yeah, we're highly trained, highly skilled. We can multitask yep. better than anybody. And totally we can good. do a magnificent job with the personal touch. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. I'm all about bragging about how great nurses are. Somebody's <laughs> got to do it. Somebody's got to do it. I totally agree. Yeah. And, and if I can be part of, you know, if Emily and I can be part of providing nurses with the opportunity and the space to be able to be, to your point, Jeannie, like to be the nurse that you intended to be when you went to nursing school, right? Yeah. Like if we can do our part, again, not just for, well, it does impact the, the clients, the patients, right? Like, so if we can do our part to provide nurses with the space to be able to do the job that they're really frigging good at and, you know, not micromanage them and not, you know, over document and not, you know, tell them exactly how they have to do everything a specific way and allow them the space and the opportunity to do it the way that they're trained to do it. Then we are helping patients also, because then yeah. you're getting a really phenomenal nurse who's really confident in the care that she can give to patients, taking care of you and who doesn't want that as a patient. You know, everybody remembers a nurse or the healthcare provider that took really good care of you. Um, and so if we can do our part for the, for the nurses to do that, then we're also doing our part to, to ensure that we're taking the, the best care that we can of the patients too. Yeah. And I bet, you know, partly since you're not working primarily through insurance providers, that gives you some autonomy. For sure. Yeah. 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 That's great. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Yeah. 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 So what are you seeing now in the birth world? Here we are in the, in the after times in COVID-19. And what are you seeing? What are you, what's it like for you and your clients? A lot of people are making decisions based on fear, um, which is understandable, but still sad. Um, so that is, you know, we're seeing a lot of that. We're seeing a ton of people who are experiencing anxiety more anxiety than ever, for sure. I actually think there was the statistic recently that, you know, mothers, about 25% of mothers pre-pandemic stated that they had symptoms of anxiety or depression. And now post-pandemic, I think it's, you know, in the 70th percentile. What um, was it pre-pandemic? What was the number? 25, I believe. That's all? 25. I, well, so I also think anxiety and depression is underdiagnosed, and yeah, and um, yeah, that's if you talk about that for forty five minutes. If you're pregnant and you're going to be having a baby, and especially if it's your first one, I don't care if there's a pandemic or not. You got to feel your anxiety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, these the, the numbers need to be better, regardless of how we're <laughs> <laughs> keeping track of them, um, because I, especially anxiety, postpartum anxiety, or, or even prenatal anxiety, um, is is so underdocumented, yeah. uh, and and hence why there's not enough support for for women. Um, 
but yeah, so I mean, that is, that is what we are, that is the big things of what we're seeing right now um, in terms of, you know, the not so positive. Um, you know, the positive piece of it though, is that, you know, because a lot of these visits are virtual or, you know, people are, you know, thinking about, you know, the things that scare them or, you know, the things that they're worried about, um, or, you know, they're not seeing their provider as much. I do think that it's opening it up an opportunity for two things that I think is great to see. One is um, patients are asking a lot more questions and getting a lot more curious and looking for other avenues of support, which I think is great because the, and I say this to clients all the time, I think as healthcare providers, we can do a much better job of explaining the why behind, you know, why we make a recommendation or say that this is the way to do something or, um, I, I think that we could be better about explaining things and, 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 and answering the, that why. Um, and then patients, I tell patients all the time, like, don't be afraid to ask why, you know, a physician or, or a nurse or a nurse practitioner made, or midwife made that recommendation, right? Like, if you don't understand it or you're questioning it, then don't be afraid to do that. Um, and I do think that there are more, there are more people doing that now, just asking, you know, asking to understand it better. Um, and, and whether they're doing that directly with their healthcare provider or, you know, looking into other resources, whether that's, you know, support groups or online classes or groups or whatever. Um, I, I think that that is something really positive that's coming out of it is that people are, are craving or wanting more support or wanting, you know, more answers. Um, and it's yeah. leaving people being much more curious than, um, than I think they have been in the past. And so that has been a really positive change because, because I find that people have, you know, been reaching out to us and other resources, you know, asking some really good questions and looking for, you know, different kinds of support. Um, and, and some of the support, you know, are things that we can just be doing better anyway, um, you know, as, as a healthcare system and as a country, especially as it relates to, you know, the mental health stuff that we're seeing. Um, yes. Yeah. I was, I was just thinking about a conversation I had not so long ago with, uh, an obstetrician friend of mine. Um, and we were talking about the topic of patients not wanting to bother their doctor with, questions. Yes. Oh, they're so busy and I only have a few minutes. And so I don't want to bother them with anything. And, and yes. they actually think that they ought to know this stuff anyways. And mm -hmm. the doctor just, you know, it was, it's, we were just chatting and uh, she says, Oh my God, those people, I just need them to know. I don't actually know you. I don't know what you don't know. I don't know if you're a visual <laughs> learner. I don't know if yeah. you have a PhD and you're, I don't know. <laughs> Just ask me. Yeah. <laughs> Just, yeah. How am I supposed to know? I don't know. And, and yeah. she, she was sort of, you know, going on this list of questions that she wanted to pose to patients that, it's like, oh, please just ask your doctor the questions. She doesn't yeah. actually know you. <laughs> Right. I mean, and that's yeah. the thing too, right? Like, I think we, you know, and I think this was based on generations before us, right? But yeah. there's sort of been this hierarchy of like, the doctor tells you something and you just sort of smile and nod, right. um, you know, because the doctor knows best. And that is, that is changing. Like, there's no reason why you can't have the conversation with your doctor. If you don't understand something, you don't just have to smile and nod. You can just ask, like, you can say, I don't, I actually just don't understand what that means. Yeah. Um, 
So I definitely like want to break through that barrier for patients and let them know that like your healthcare providers are there to, to be able to support you and, and they want to support you. That's why we went into this field. Um, so don't be afraid to, to say that you don't understand or that yeah. you need like them to explain it like differently or better, or that you yeah. learn, like if they could actually draw you a picture, that would be super helpful. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, actually, that's, yeah. you know, as you teach them how to teach you. And that's yeah. what the whole yeah. relationship is about. It's about yeah. information and services. And, yep. you know, you think about any other business where you're going to be putting down good money for information and services, you know, like <laughs> an electrician right. or a roofer yep. or yep. the it's butcher, yep. you know, you're going <laughs> to yeah. ask those questions. Yeah. I mean, it's funny that you say that because I think about, uh, we have the opposite problem in our business is that we have, and it's actually not a problem. I view this as a huge compliment because of exactly what we're talking about right now is that we have patients reaching out to us all of the time at all hours of the day and night, asking questions, looking for support, wanting to run something by us, wanting a second opinion. And I think that that is the biggest compliment and like testament to, to our team and, and our company and the services that we're providing because people actually feel comfortable coming to us all of the time, asking questions. And, and it's, and this is exactly what we are talking about, right? Like if there, if, if the interpretation that they were getting from us was that there is this hierarchy, um, or that we explained something, you know, we said something to them without the explanation, they just felt like they had to smile and nod. They wouldn't be coming back to us for more information. So, you know, I, I, I love that that is, that's the relationship that we have with our clients, because I tell clients all the time, like, please get off Google. Like don't Google at 3am. Like if you have a question, just ask it to me at 3am. I won't get back to you at 3am, but I will get back to you at 8am. And at 3am highway to hell. Right. <laughs> like every Google search at 3am results in Google telling you that you are like the worst possible parent. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. So I tell like, you know, I, and I, you know, we set boundaries, don't get me wrong, but it is that piece of, um, you know, that, that level of comfort, um, and feeling like you do have that person to rely on and, and you have that non-judgmental space to, you know, ask the questions that maybe you think are silly or, or whatever the case may be. But, but I think that's huge. And I think that is, again, maybe a culture of healthcare in general that has been out there. Um, but I think that's absolutely something that's starting to shift. Uh, at least I feel like it's starting to shift and, and I, and I, it's shifting in a very positive way, um, which I think is going to be great. So let's talk a little bit about COVID. Yeah. How do you see it changing postpartum care and, and breastfeeding support and, you know, all the nuts and bolts of the postpartum period? So I am seeing it and hoping that it sticks, that people are, again, finding like different avenues of support because the level of the support that they need may be greater or the kind of support that they thought that they would need is different than what they actually need, right? Like you don't go into, not necessarily, you don't go into, you know, your parenting experience thinking that you're going to be like riddled with anxiety and not being able to sleep. Um, and so when that happens, you have, you know, asking for help is is so huge and, and you're finding a way to, to get support with that, right? 
Um, so I think because there has been such this, such a spike in the mental health issues for everybody, for everybody, um, and especially, you know, women and families, I am hopeful that one of the most positive shifts that will happen in prenatal and postnatal care is that mental and, and healthcare in general is that mental health will be at the forefront of a lot of these conversations. Um, and, and having resources and support systems in place will become the norm. Um, and so the norm meaning, you know, we're talking about it in prenatal visits. We're talking about it, you know, in the hospital after delivery. Um, you know, we're talking about it at, you're not just filling out the survey at your pediatrician's office. You're talking about it with your pediatrician. You're talking about it with your OB, right? Um, so I'm hoping that mental health will be at the forefront. That would be a wonderful positive shift for everybody. Um, and I do see that, see that happening, uh, uh, you know, a little bit, it could, it could obviously be better, but, but it's definitely happening a little bit. Um, another shift is just accessibility, right? So people who weren't offering virtual services before are now. Um, and so that actually does make accessibility to specialists, whether that's healthcare professionals or physical therapists or, um, mental health specialists or whatever, right? Um, these specialists where, depending on where you live, maybe accessibility was tough. Now it actually is starting to become a little bit more accessible. Um, and so I think that's, that's a really positive shift. Um, you know, one thing that Emily and I have really been working on as it relates to this accessibility piece is, you know, I would love for everything that you need a, you know, a patient needs postpartum after having a baby to be all in one place. Like I would love under our roof to live, you know, the lactation specialist, the registered nurse, the, you know, pediatric nurse practitioner or pediatrician, the pelvic floor physical te therapist, the licensed mental health counselor, um, you know, the acupuncturist, the nutritionist, like I would love everybody, the marriage counselor. <laughs> I would love everybody to sort of like be under this one roof so that it's not like you have to go to multiple different resources or places to find what you need. It's actually just all right there and available to you at your fingertips. Um, yeah. So for us, that's, you know, and that's only a change that has sort of evolved, um, you know, during, during this pandemic for us, you know, we really were thinking about, you knew, you know, we knew we wanted to be in the virtual space and we were already making shifts to do that. Um, but one of the things that really came to light was, we actually just need everything for people all in one place. And, and how can we make that happen? Um, and so that's, for us, that's been something that we've been working on. And I think could be a really, uh, a really cool and really interesting space for parents to come to in order to get all of that support under one roof. Well, I've got a couple more questions I want to ask you before we yeah. get to a rapid fire roundup. All right, love it. So what do you recommend for women who are pregnant right now what do you recommend for to get ready for that first year as a mom? Yeah. So, <laughs> oh my gosh, thinking about the whole get first ready. year. So <laughs> get ready. It's coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a couple things that I like to tell people. Um, number one is get to get connected with people within your community now during pregnancy. Um, whether that's through prenatal classes or joining a local mom's group or, you know, your local Facebook mom's group, whatever it is, right? A lot of this stuff is virtual. It doesn't matter though. Get connected with resources now, get connected within your own community, 
Um, I cannot emphasize enough how much, you know, being connected to other parents and other women who have, you know, children and babies around the same age as you can just be so impactful for your physical and mental health after delivery. Um, so find your community, find your people. And that's one piece of it that you can start thinking about now, um, you know, during pregnancy. I, you know, another thing that I like to talk about a lot is we put a lot of emphasis on preparation for labor and birth and the newborn phase, which there is absolutely a need for people to be educated um, and, and feel that they are supported during that time. And so this is not, my next statement is not to negate the importance of that education and support, but I don't, I think we put too much emphasis on the education and support for labor and birth and your registry and all that, and not enough emphasis on the support that you need as a parent, right? Because parenting doesn't end Mm -mm. at labor and birth, even though we sort of only prepare for labor and birth sometimes, right? Like parenting lasts your entire life and there's a bunch of different sort of facets to this. And, you know, it includes, you know, healthy communication. It includes being able to, you know, set boundaries. It includes, you know, knowing how to, how to ask for help. It includes being able to take care of yourself so that you're not killing yourself, you know, to, to take, to take care of your family and your baby. Um, and you know, it includes figuring learning- out how to, how to get your babies to bed by 7 30 PM. <laughs> That is, that's so true, right? Like that's why my husband and I are still pretty sane is because we do have that time to ourselves in the evening. Like, but, but there's so many different pieces to this, right? Like you even know your kids are older and parenting doesn't end. Oh, Um, never, never. Right, right. Um, So there's just all these pieces to it that, and that's not meant to overwhelm people, you know, who are pregnant expecting their first child or maybe just recently had their first baby. That's just to say, you know, life, life doesn't come with an epidural, even though right. we wish that it did sometimes. So yeah. you have to, you have to have strategies to deal with the difficult situations or, you know, to, to figure out ways to get comfortable being uncomfortable because there are times in parenting that you're going to be really uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and, and nothing stays the same. It's not like, no. okay, I yep. got this. I got this. Cause then yep. everything changes and that's the nature oh, was- of parenting forever. You know, parenting never ends, but it constantly evolves. Changes. Yep. I just had this conversation with a a mom's group today, a bunch of moms who just had their second babies. And it was, you know, the whole conversation was around everything's temporary. It is like, that's sort of why like the cliche phase in parenting is like, oh, it's just a phase. Oh, it's just a phase. I mean, it literally is. Everything is. Yeah. So, and I think that's a good grounding tool for people is to just remind themselves that, it is only temporary. It is only temporary that your baby, you know, isn't sleeping. You know, it is only temporary that you're having issues with breastfeeding. Um, so all, you know, I think that that's a good reminder. So, you know, get connected with your community, know who your people are, you know, within your community, um, you know, whether that's professional resources or just family and friends. Um, and, you know, really just think about how you can prepare yourself, not just for, you know, labor and birth in the newborn phase, but really, um, beyond, you know, this whole parenting journey, because it's, you're in it, you're in it forever. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, what else do you want listeners to know? We want to make sure that we give your business a big shout out and a website. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, if there is anybody, uh, you know, on here that's local to Boston or the Boston area or Massachusetts, 
Um, you can certainly check out, you know, some more of our, our local resources. Um, but really because of the pandemic, all of our services with the exception of, you know, our in-home nursing care are available virtually through our platform, Nurture by Naps. And so, um, that virtual program is set up in a way to support women and families, depending on what stage of parenting they're in. So we currently have, um, five programs and it starts from pregnancy and it goes through the first year of life. We're actually adding on, um, you know, 12 to 18 months, 18 to 24, and then two to three years as well. Um, but that's all virtual. So that includes, you know, video content, um, like short videos from Emily and I longer, um, you know, more like webinar type classes. We have live classes on that platform. We have guest speaker, you know, uh, special guest speakers come on. Um, and then, my, I mean, my personal favorite feature of the of our Nurture by Nap program is we do a weekly live Q&A for all of our members. So, you know, our, our clients can come on, they can ask Emily or myself questions live. We troubleshoot a ton of things from, you know, pregnancy questions to sleep training to starting solids and one-year-old transitions. Um, and then we also have a 24-hour Ask a Nurse feature. So, you can just write in on the platform, ask your question, and Emily and I will respond to your question in 24 hours. Um, so again, this is you know this is sort of like our baby, our our virtual baby um, is you know trying to have the education and support for women and families, uh, you know that that high level of education and support all under all under one roof. So that's that's what we're trying to accomplish with Nurture by Naps. So if you are outside of the Boston area and looking for some support, that's where you can find us. And is that nurturebynaps.com? Nurturebynaps.com. It is. All right. Great. All right. You ready yeah. for the fast roundup? I'm ready. What do you got for me, Jeannie? First question. What role does feminism play in your life? <laughs> I mean, I'm raising three girls. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I... I want my kids to understand that their role in this world can be profound because of who they are and not because of whether or not they are male or female or however they identify themselves when they get older. Um, and I want to... I'm very conscious of the fact that I that I am raising three girls and the next generation of women. And I do not take that responsibility lightly. I think that as parents, we can actually have a huge impact on our world just through the way that we raise our kids. Um, and so if my kids, my girls grow up knowing that they can be whatever they want to be, regardless of whether or not they have a man in their life or regardless of whether or not the, regardless of what the external world is telling them, um, if they can grow up to feel comfortable and confident and feel like they can take on the world and make a profound change, that is, that's what's at the forefront of my mind when I think about feminism and, and raising young girls. All right. How would you fill in the blank? Nobody ever told me that. Oh, nobody ever told me that. 
your relationship with your spouse vastly changes after kids, not necessarily in like a good or a bad way. It's just different. And having, I wish that I knew about the changes in that dynamic so that I could have been better prepared and had better strategies to deal with the change of that dynamic in it, you know, in asking for help, um, in healthy communication. I, I wish that nobody talks about how hard that shift is for couples after having kids. And I wish I had known that. It's a doozy. It is. Yeah, it is. My last, you got to figure it out fast. (laughs) Yeah, you do. Or you can take your time. You can take your time. Yeah. 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 (laughs) As long as you figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So where do you stand in the world of motherhood? Where do I stand in the world of motherhood? I stand, well, if we're talking about physical, physically where I'm at, you know, I'm in the thick of it with, I'm sure a lot of the listeners, you know, with a five, three and one year old. I'm literally in it with you guys. So I feel, I feel your pain. Um, I share your highs. I share your lows. If we're talking about it more in, you know, the metaphorical sense where I stand in motherhood, you, you know, I am really in the camp of, I would love to see women and, and especially mothers be much more supportive of one another and less judgmental um, and less competitive. I think there's a lot of, competition and judgment. I don't think that social media helps that cause at all. Um, and, and I would love to see, you know, less of that, that judgment and competition and more of those real raw, honest conversations about how, you know, we're really doing and how we're really feeling and, um, you know, mothers talking about it and women talking about it in a way where we can actually better support each other. Um, instead of feeling like it's, you know, constant judgment or competing. That's a good answer. (laughs) Thanks. Well, Jamie, this is going to be a really fun conversation. I love talking to other nurses because we know how to hash it out. I know I do too. It's always, especially a fellow labor and delivery nurse. It's right? we're, we're, we're a unique right? kind. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Well, thank you very much. And listeners, thank go on over you. to Nurture by Naps. Yes. Thank you so much for having me, Jeannie. It was great to chat with you. Yeah, you too. We'll talk again down the road. All right. Sounds great. Mama said there'll be days like this. There'll be days like this. Mama said. Mama said. Mama said. Mama said there'll be days like this. There'll be days like this. Mama Thanks for listening, said, everybody. You can find Jamie over at nurturebynaps.com. We want to thank our sponsors and uh, all of our listeners and supporters. We appreciate you. You can find me if you have comments, questions, concerns over at jeanfalkner.com. Email me, jean at jeanfalkner. Tweet me at Jean Faulkner. And uh, yes, I'll spell my name. That's J E A N N E F A U L K N E R. And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Pregnancy Parenting and Politics. We are produced by Recruits Records. Let's talk again next week. Bye bye, everybody.